A heartbreaking end to the search for Chelsea Poorman. Obviously, this is not the outcome that anybody wanted. Where her remains were found and why part of the mystery might never be fully solved. A tragedy neighbours say didn't have to happen. That family? I can't even imagine what they went through. I really can't, but this was preventable. A teenage girl fatally struck by a dump truck, putting construction zone road safety under the microscope. And vaccine-hesitant health workers score a legal win. Why the province will have to defend COVID mandates in court. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. A Bernadine neighborhood is coming to grips tonight with the death of a 14-year-old girl hit and killed by a dump truck on 11th Avenue. Global's Imad Agahi is live at the scene with more on the tragedy. And Imad, residents are telling us they warned police and the city about that area before. Yeah, sadly, those neighbors, you can see some of them behind me. And for months, they had been fearing that something tragic like this could happen on this residential street that has no sidewalk. It is a popular route for kids to walk home from school on. The problem is that it is the access route to a pretty large development under construction. At the side of a residential road in Burnaby, a stack of flowers that marks the spot of a tragedy, a day neighbors feared would come. We really don't feel very safe with regarding to this construction across my house here. On this stretch of 11th Avenue, a 14-year-old grade 8 student walking with friends Thursday afternoon was hit and killed by a passing dump truck. The immediate aftermath witnessed by this neighbor's family. And she ran there and noticed that a girl has hit the vehicle and then she was on the ground and the two other friends were shouting, crying. Uh, she tried to comfort those two kids uh, until the police arrived and uh, the ambulance came. Oh my God, that's really terrible. There is no sidewalk. Heavy trucks are a constant. This construction site has had a lot of reckless drivers. Um, I've been emailing with the city. I've talked to the RCMP, I've talked to bylaws in Burnaby, and nobody has really done anything to make it any safer. Police and the city of Burnaby both aware it may be putting pedestrians in danger. We're very cognizant of the concerns that the community has raised about some of the traffic uh, issues facing this this neighbourhood. According to RCMP, an 18-year-old girl was also struck by a truck in the same area in November. That girl's mother in a passionate exchange Friday with a spokesperson from the city of Burnaby. That family? I can't even imagine what they went through. I really can't. But this was preventable. I am watching you. We are all watching yeah, you and what are. you're doing. And you better do something to change this now. So it's a shared responsibility in terms of safety, keeping safety around a project like this. We take responsibility and it also is the developer's shared responsibility. Police say the driver was not impaired. A man in his 50s who is cooperating with investigators and it's believed this truck was associated with the nearby construction site. The developers are being given the priority here over the citizens of Burnaby. I mean, this is our house. I can't even let my kids and my pets outside without worrying about them getting struck by cars. 
Now, I was able to reach that developer this afternoon, and they do have a joint statement, which I will read for you now. It is from Lettingham McAllister and Markon Construction, saying this, uh, while the accident happened on a public street outside of our construction site, we have launched our own investigation and will work with the city staff to explore further ways to reduce risk as trucks enter and leave our site. Now, having said that, a lot of those neighbors uh, are still very critical, uh, questioning the city, questioning the developer why this wasn't happening before tragedy took place here. All right, thanks for that. Amadagahi in Burnaby tonight. Charges have now been laid in connection with a shocking Victoria hit and run that was all caught on video. And we want to warn you, it was a very disturbing incident. The dash cam footage shows a young woman being struck by a snow-covered vehicle that was running a red light at Bay and Blanchard Streets on December 30th. The driver then sped away, but the vehicle was seized the next day, and now the driver is facing a number of charges under the Motor Vehicle Act. Those charges include failing to remain at the scene of a collision and driving with an obstructed view. The driver is also facing a fine of $1,075 and eight demerit points. Fortunately, the woman's injuries, amazingly, were not serious. Well, the search for 24-year-old Chelsea Poorman has come to a tragic end. She was last seen in September of 2020 on Granville Street. Today, Vancouver police announced her remains have now been found. And Romina Dea joins us live with the details. Romina, a devastating conclusion to this mystery. And there are some questions still unanswered. What are police saying? Chris, after a year and a half of no solid leads, Chelsea Poorman's skeletal remains were found at the $7 million vacant home in Shaughnessy at Granville and 36th Avenue. Uh, some friends of the family, some women with butterflies in spirit have come here to say prayers. They just arrived a short time ago. They've come here to pay their respects, lay flowers and light candles. The 24-year-old vanished a year and a half ago. Chelsea was last seen on Granville Street in the entertainment district. Her sister told us at the time that Chelsea had left the area with an unidentified man. Somehow, she ended up more than 30 blocks away at the home here, which has been vacant for six years. The owners overseas. Neighbors say homeless people use the property. It's a big issue in the area. How Chelsea got here, what was she doing here, we still don't know. She couldn't walk very far. She had a brace on her leg. Her body was found at the back of the home on April 22nd by a contractor who was doing work on the property. Police confirming today there's no evidence of a murder. Skeletal remains is, is, is all that's left. Um, our ability to, to determine exactly what the cause of death, we just don't have that ability. Um, we may never know, we, we likely will never know um, what uh, caused the death, caused Chelsea's death. However, looking at the totality of the evidence, um, all of the factors, all of the evidence that we've obtained throughout the course of the investigation an examination of her remains, um, we don't, there's no evidence at this point that it's a suspicious death. Yeah, I have a lot of questions. They, they're saying that it's un, an undetermined death. You know, why, why didn't they go looking in abandoned places? Like, I don't know where they exactly searched for my daughter. 
Now, Vancouver police tell us they never stopped looking for Chelsea. Chelsea's mother told us that her daughter struggled with mental health and addictions issues. She's hoping that someone out there has information and will be able to fill in the gaps to bring this family some peace. We have been told that there will be a memorial here on Sunday. Back to you. All right, Romina, thank you. That's Romina Dea reporting in Vancouver. A B.C. judge has given an advocacy group the green light to challenge a number of Dr. Bonnie Henry's COVID-19 health orders in court. And as John Waugh reports, the government will have to defend its policy to make vaccinations for health care workers mandatory. At the height of the COVID-19 pandemic, Dr. Bonnie Henry took a hard line. So she's positive, isolating at home. For those working on the front lines of health care. Not recognizing the important uh, importance of vaccination, then uh, this is probably not the right profession for them. Now our group challenging Dr. Henry's orders that forces frontline healthcare workers to be double vaccinated will get to have their day in court. A decision to allow a challenge to be brought is very different than a decision to allow the challenge to be successful. Legal counsel for Dr. Henry and the province tried to argue those bringing the lawsuit forward were little more than an anti-mandate group that shouldn't be granted legal standing, as explained by lawyer Kyla Lee, who has no direct involvement in the case. You need to be somebody who's actually affected in some way by the order. In his decision, Justice Koval ruling in favor of the Canadian Society for the Advancement of Science in Public Policy, stating counting somewhat in favor is the evidence, albeit vague and inferential, of its stake based on the healthcare workers amongst its membership. It's not the case that you can just form a group of individuals, call yourself a society, and then bring court challenges to laws that you don't like. While one other party was denied, the society was granted public interest standing meaning the case against Dr. Henry will be allowed to proceed. In a statement, it writes, the society is pleased that the significant effort of its volunteers and donors on behalf of British Columbians was recognized by the court. While other challenges to vaccination or masking or travel restrictions programs have generally been unsuccessful, uh, that doesn't mean also that that's not going to change. As public health orders are lifted and vaccination rates continue to rise, legal challenges like this one might be getting a boost. But the merit of the arguments will still be left up to a court to decide. John Hua, Global News. Another sign of how radically the COVID-19 pandemic has transformed the workplace and employees' attitudes toward their jobs. As Aaron MacArthur reports, a new poll says a sizable number of people would quit if they were forced back to the office full-time. We all know the routine, but do we really want to do this again? More employers are urging employees to come back into the office. And more employees are saying no. I really enjoy working from home. People are figuring out work doesn't have to be like that anymore. When I had the opportunity to step away from that work, I I never wanted to go back to being in a windowless office. A new poll done by Ipsos for Global News gives some insight into people's intention. One in three people say they would rather quit than be forced back into the office. About the same number say they would take lower pay if it meant staying home. 
Employment lawyers say companies are well within their rights to make people come back into the office, but there are other factors to consider. I really think the legal issues are secondary to the practical issues of primarily retention. People still do want to go back into the office. 42% of people polled say they're happiest in the office. And surprisingly, 48% of young workers say to be back, but 44% of people say flexibility has already been baked into their work life. Staying at home is estimated to have saved workers $200 a week. Employers are going to have to give people a reason to come back in. Employers are going to need to create a new value proposition around coming back to work and use it as a carrot rather than the stick. And in a labor market where employees have so much leverage, retaining workers will likely depend on employers' willingness to bend on what office culture looks like. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. Today's latest jump in Metro Vancouver gas prices to record levels is even more shocking when you put it in filler-up terms. In May of last year, the price at the pump was $1.51 per litre. Today, it's $2.16. Last year at this time, filling up a Honda Civic would cost $75. Today, the price would be $108, a $33 increase. And a minivan fill-up last May came to about $113. Today, that's $162, $50 more. And Dan McTeague from Canadians for Affordable Energy is now saying the price could hit $2.23 per litre by Sunday. Well, one of the largest unions in B.C. is conducting a strike vote. The B.C. General Employees Union says negotiations have stalled. The two sides remain far apart, and the union's 33,000 members will decide over the coming weeks whether to approve a strike mandate. Richard Zussman has more. For B.C. Liquor Source staff to government employees, more than 33,000 members of the B.C. General Employees Union are now getting ready to have a strike vote. The reason why negotiations are still at an impasse. The last offer from government was a raise of 1.5% this year and then a raise of 2% the next two years. The union wants much more, closer to inflation that is around 5% a year, but could be as high as 8% per year. Each month that we're unable to reach agreement, that cost of living adjustment goes up and rates of inflation go up. And so every month that goes past, every week that goes past, our members are losing wages. And anything below a cost of living adjustment is a wage cut. In a statement, Finance Minister Selena Robinson said the best agreements are worked out at the table. Leaving discussions at the table allows the parties who are negotiating to focus on reaching settlements. The vote will take place starting May 16th, but will take five weeks to complete. The union encouraging its members to vote in favour of striking, but a yes vote doesn't necessarily mean picket lines. There are a lot of options for the union to attempt to put pressure on the employer. It can be um, an overtime ban. It can be work to rule, which means you do exactly as your job describes. And none of those extras that members always do. The BCGU is the first of the big public sector unions all at the negotiating table in 2022. So if they are able to get raises close to inflation, teachers, nurses and many others in the healthcare sector would expect the same. Richard Zussman, Global News, Victoria. 
A program to cut down on violent interactions with police has been such a success, it's being expanded. The pact that's having a big impact for those in mental health crisis in just over a minute. A B.C. man with a craving for his hometown pizza gets a delivery skip the dishes could never do. All the way from Windsor, Ontario. How he did it later. And how long can she last? Canadian Matea Roach and the latest on her Jeopardy winning streak. As much as we can tell you anyway, coming right up. Right now, though, the workload continues to pile up for the understaffed independent police watchdog that investigates officer-involved deaths. The latest happened on the downtown east side, the fifth in as many weeks. Catherine Urquhart reports. B.C.'s latest police-involved shooting happened inside the Patricia Hotel on the downtown east side. Vancouver police say they were responding to reports of an assault with a weapon there around Thursday afternoon when there was an altercation, shots were fired, and a man in his 40s died. Since April 1st, we have, in the last five weeks, now had five officer-involved shootings, all of which were fatal. In um, the last fiscal year, we only had eight in total. April 27th, the IIO was notified following a shootout near Commercial and 5th that left a man in his 40s dead. VPD said it happened as officers responded to an alleged assault. First thing I heard was sirens and gunshots. Bang, 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 bang. Very loud. At first I thought it was firecrackers or something, but it was way too loud. It was right outside my window, less than 40 feet away from me. April 8th, Surrey RCMP were at a wellness check in the 13200 block of 108th Avenue. RCMP said the man had a weapon, shots were fired, and he died in hospital. April 1st, a Surrey Mountie shot and killed a man as he fled a failed armed robbery. The IIO says they're short-staffed and need the province's help. In response, Attorney General David Eby told Global News... The requirement to hire people without recent police background was lifted between June 2019 and July 2021 as a temporary measure to support the IIO. We are again exploring the possibility of temporarily lifting this provision to support the IIO. I am going to be following up with government um, very soon within the next few days to again highlight the issues that we have that I'm becoming quite concerned about. BC's Independent Investigations Office is warning that if changes aren't made, it's likely there will be delays with future investigations. Catherine Urquhart, Global News. A program to prevent violent interactions with police when they attend mental health calls is doing so well it's expanding. PACT puts civilian mental health workers on the front lines instead of armed officers. Nithu Garche shows us how it works, but first a warning some of the content in this report might be disturbing. Many people have experienced trauma at the hands of the police. So instead of officers responding to mental health crisis calls, it should be a professional and trained peer support worker with lived experience, providing trauma-informed and culturally safe support, says the Canadian Mental Health Association's Julia Keisler. They're apprehensive about a police response 
in certain cases because of a precarious immigration status, because they're scared of losing their children, because they may have a previous criminal involvement, because they have previous trauma with police. We recognize all of those different components, and we're trying to provide an alternative to a police response so that families in distress have someone to call. That's what BC's first civilian-led crisis group called the Peer Assisted Care Team, or PACT, has been doing on the North Shore since November. And with just over a million dollars in new funding from the province, it will soon expand to New Westminster and Victoria. We've actually been receiving um, about 50 calls a month um, during those four days a week of service. And so we've hit about 270 calls uh, to date. Keisla says none of those led to safety concerns requiring calls to 911. And that's the goal, to prevent violent police wellness checks like this one in January of 2020, where surveillance video caught a Kelowna RCMP officer dragging nursing student Mona Wang in a carpeted hallway before stepping on her head. And this one just five months prior that resulted in the fatal RCMP shooting of Kian Nang Mong after his sister called police for help getting him to hospital. A recently concluded coroner's inquest into the latter case issued several recommendations, including significant funding for supporting first responders during mental health calls. Wellness checks have resulted in deaths of black and indigenous and racialized community members. Minakshi Mano of the Pivot Legal Society says those funds need to be used to protect people from police. I think there's still a concern about the level of police involvement in the creation and rollout of these programs. So police have been part of the decision-making. They've been at the table with programs like PAC. And Keisla says the eventual plan is to expand the program right across the province. Neetu Garcha, Global News, Vancouver. Just ahead, unstable slopes. Okanagan residents face a lingering threat from a long-extinguished wildfire. And a happy ending to the case of the missing bike trailer. That's next. Steady in both directions over here at the Alex Fraser Bridge this evening with just a little bit of leftover volume both ways on the east-west connector through Richmond. Through Kermac Cares for Kids, expert repair for your vehicle helps provide expert care for kids when you choose Kermac. Choose to support BC Children's Hospital, Kermac Cares for Kids. I'm Trish Jewison in Global One at the Alex Fraser Bridge. A major announcement today for Indigenous youth living in Metro Vancouver. The sun is shining and my heart is filled, it is overflowing with hope. Vancouver Mount Pleasant MLA Melanie Mark with her two daughters by her side responding to the green lighting of a future Indigenous centre. It will include a youth centre, post-secondary education and skills training campus, as well as affordable homes, a childcare centre and support services. Mark says this groundbreaking facility signals to Indigenous youth that their lives matter. Indigenous youth deserve every opportunity to dream big and excel as they heal from the calculated decisions by former governments who used Indian residential schools to kill the Indian and the child. The project has been 20 years in the making. Land for the new centre is being donated by the City of Vancouver and Suncor Energy. It'll be located near Hastings and Commercial. Concerns are growing in the central Okanagan along West Side Road over the possibility of landslides and floods. As Global's Darian Matasafung reports, the issues were caused by that massive White Rock Lake fire that ripped through the region last year. 
If we got two, three days of heavy, heavy, heavy rain, I mean, yeah, it would be an issue, I'm sure. It seems like it never ends for Northwest Side Road residents near Killiney Beach, as now there are major concerns that the area is at risk for flooding and landslides due to the White Rock Lake wildfire, which ripped through the area last year. Just up the street where the uh, the fire hall is, uh, the road coming down, uh, water comes down that road and uh, tries to get into the ditch and, and continue down. Well, it's it's been a couple times going over the road. You think of all the fire, you can see the black trees um, across the road. You know that the root destruction is big time. So is it surprising that it's going to happen? No. Has anybody officially come and said to us, hey, you need to be aware of this? This could is a possibility of you or for you? No. The Regional District of Central Okanagan says that information is on its way. They will be holding an online meeting for affected residents. It's an informational session. I, I have some notes here. Uh, uh, we're uh, trying to make the residents aware of overland flooding and landslides uh, because of the increased danger uh, from the wildfire that we had there. Um, we want to help rec uh, uh, residents recognize where the risks are uh, based on the geotechnical surveys that, uh, uh, that we had done. Uh, we want to give them the tools uh, to help them get prepared as we do, much as we do for the fires and, and that. The online meeting will take place on May 12th from 2 to 3 p.m. on the RDCO's YouTube channel. Recovery efforts in the neighborhood have been slow. According to the residents, many are having troubles with insurance companies as well as permits for demolition and construction. And now, landslide and flooding warnings will be posted along Westside Road to help inform residents of the dangers as well. Darian Matassa-Fung, Global News. Coming up, a hiring spree that's a win-win. And we have three interviews today. The B.C. businesses filling vacant positions by giving Ukrainian refugees a fresh start. Also tonight, watching the Matea Roach win streak. West Coast Jeopardy fans hope there are no spoilers ahead. Still super busy here tonight over for northbound traffic at the Massey Tunnel. Highway 99 is backed up south of Highway 17A after clearing an earlier car in the ditch just north of the tunnel. Get best-in-class protection and savings with BCAA Insurance. Learn more at bcaa.com. I'm Trish Jewison in Global One at the Massey Tunnel. Well, they've been displaced from their homes, separated from loved ones. But Ukrainian refugees seeking safety in B.C. are getting a lot of help from Canadians, including job opportunities. As Global's Claudia Van Emmerich reports, in the Okanagan, hiring newcomers couldn't come at a better time. Olana, nice to meet you. Olena Pihor has come to the Eldorado Resort in Kelowna to apply for a job. She fled Ukraine three weeks ago, leaving a husband behind who had to stay. And while her homeland is never far from her thoughts, her focus this particular Friday is on a job interview. She's very helpful to uh, people here in Kelowna who helped her for the first days, you know, to provide for her, to provide accommodation and everything, but she would like to be independent. The Eldorado among the businesses that stepped forward offering job opportunities to Ukrainians, even staff housing for those who need it. We've since have, uh, we've hired two 
uh, two people, one in housekeeping and one in the kitchen, actually, which is awesome. And we have three interviews today. Despite a language barrier for many of the refugees, including Pihur, Jean says the company is working around it. And you know what? Google Translate is an amazing tool. But employers also have a lot to gain. With a significant labor shortage in B.C., hiring Ukrainian refugees is a win-win for all. At the El Dorado, more than 200 positions need to be filled before the busy summer season. Everybody's looking at different sort of ways to get, um, you know, staff and employees to Kelowna. Um, and here uh, is an opportunity that's being presented right on our doorstep. According to the group Kelowna Stands with Ukraine, more than two dozen families have already arrived in the Okanagan from war-torn Ukraine, with another 40 or so slated to get here in the next five weeks. Pihor, a former government worker, says she's one of the grateful ones. This is very, uh, very important and very good uh, that uh, they can uh, help people to start their life in Canada. And if you're wondering how the interview went... Elena, welcome to the team. We're so, so happy to... She starts her new housekeeping job on Monday. Claudia Van Emmer, Global News, Kelowna. A nation is watching. Can Nova Scotia's most famous game show contestant continue her astounding string of victories? I promise you I am not going to give any spoilers. But I will talk about last night. On Thursday night's episode of Jeopardy, Matea Roach chalked up win number 23 with a thrilling comeback on the final Jeopardy question. Her remarkable run makes her the top performing Canadian of all time. And she is among the most successful contestants in the show's long history. In Halifax, her family is just as proud of her outstanding sportsmanship and how her achievements have brought fun and excitement during the pandemic and other distressing events. People are, are uh, you know, wonderfully supportive and uh, it's, it's a real satisfying thing to see that, that uh, response to, uh, to your kid. Now, before she took Jeopardy by storm, Matea was working as a tutor in Toronto. It will air later on this channel. That's why you're getting nothing from us. Now, an update to a story we brought you earlier this week. A stolen bike trailer has been located. The missing trailer is a vital link for Carrie Vandendriesch to shuttle her sons around, five-year-old Matthew and eight-year-old Louis, who lives with Down syndrome. Carrie says Louis has a difficult time riding a bicycle, so the trailer allows him to still get around with his mom and brother. The trailer was taken from her parkade in the George Road area. She says if it doesn't need any repair, she's going to donate the money from a GoFundMe that was set up to help her out to replace the trailer. But she's very happy to have it back. Coming up, across Canada pizza craving. There are many people around the world, surprisingly, that, that will go to great lengths to get Windsor Pizza. John Palmer is one of them. How the BC man got the delivery of his dreams later. And coming up in sports, playoff hockey with Vancouver and Kamloops in the Battle of BC. Could be a beautiful night to do some stargazing maybe, and it won't just be stars you see out there, right, Christy? That's right. So the Etta Aquarids, I hope I said that correctly, meteor shower is happening now. The peak of it was actually yesterday, and I haven't told you about it because it's been so cloudy. 
but we're starting to see a few breaks. So there's a chance you might be able to see it tonight because it is going to last for another day or so, although the peak was yesterday. So what you want to do is look towards the southeast pre-dawn. And if you have a clear sky, you may be able to see Ada Aquarid's uh, meteor shower. And that's actually dust from Haley's Comet, if you wanted to know. All right, so let's talk about our Mother's Day weekend, shall we? For starters, there is a travel warning, and that's because we could see snow on the mountain passes. So highway mountain snow expected tonight through Saturday, and that's because we have still a chance of showers and the freezing level is going to be low enough. So this is hope to Kelowna, hope to Princeton, and uh, that's because of that system uh, just south of us. So for our region, what we're going to see is a few showers tomorrow. It's going to be an unsettled pattern, different from what we saw yesterday with more consistent rainfall. We're going to see mainly cloudy skies with some breaks of blue sky, but we still have a 40% chance of showers. Better chance of seeing those showers along the mountains and out through the Fraser Valley and across central and northern parts of Vancouver Island. It is going to be chillier this weekend with highs of only 11 degrees Saturday and Sunday, and it's the type of days where you need to bring your rain jacket just in case, but you have a better chance of being dry than you do of being wet. And happy Mother's Day to all you mothers out there. Thank you to Cindy for this Really cute shot. <laughs> They're good at throwing the little ones on their back. I brought out the winter overcoat today. It's May 6th, but... What is happening? Don't worry about it. Pizza could make it better. Mm-hmm. How far would you go to get a pizza made with your favorite ingredients? What if it was the best pizza you've ever tasted? Well, Kylie Stanton has the story of friends and co-workers from Victoria going to extreme lengths for a taste of home. The oven heats up, the pizza goes in, and the countdown is on. I wish we had smell-o-vision, because that's half of the experience. John Palmer has waited years for this moment. What's another 30 minutes? I grew up in Windsor, uh, and I uh, always had fond memories of my childhood. This pizza is one of them, and it turns out he's not alone. Nigel and I talked about it, uh, you know, on the periphery for years. Yes, uh, it, it was fantastic. But to talk is one thing. The sauce, the cheese, pepperoni, canned mushrooms. To taste is another. I finally stomped my foot and said, we're going to make this happen. I said, yeah, let's go for it. Palmer picked the spot. Antonino's original pizza. And placed the order. And they arranged to half-bake the pizza, wrap it, put it in the freezer. When it was ready for transport, he needed a courier to run it to UPS. Enter my old high school chum, Jim Jeffs. Call him out of the blue after years of not talking and said, how are you, by the way? Jeffs came through, getting the pies to UPS just in time. Where Abdul was holding his driver while they packaged everything, got it on the truck, and got it in the air that night. The next day, after a nearly 4,000-kilometer journey, it was mission accomplished. you got to be real hardcore Windsor Pizza fans like John and Nigel (laughs) to... (laughs) To pay $350 to have 10 large pizzas shipped. Then add the cost of the actual pizza. 10 pizzas, $267. This was definitely a more of an emotional decision than a financial decision. But in this moment... Time to eat. Worth every penny and surpassing all expectations. Oh, even better. Even better. As you'll find out. It's incredible. It explains why these two aren't the first to go to such lengths for a slice. Antonino's has shipped to other parts of Canada and the U.S. and has recently received international requests. We actually got a call 
saying, hey, I'm calling from Dubai. I want two medium pizzas shipped out here. And I honestly thought it was a joke. No, just seriously, good pizza, where one bite can take you back in time. Well done, Windsor Pizza. And thanks for the memories. Kylie Stanton, Global News, Victoria. <laughs> it's amazing. So, but the Dubai customer, like, if you're going to order all the way from Canada, order more than two. Yeah, that was a small, crazy <laughs> small order. Uh, pizza decisions are always emotional decisions, aren't they? But the thing is, every town, reasonably sized town, has like a pizza parlor that everybody goes for. That seems to be the, you know, the quintessential pizza parlor. I want pizza tonight. All right, what's coming up? All right, Fraser Minton and the Kamloops Blazers start the all-BC battle in the Western Hockey League playoffs tonight against the Vancouver Giants. And we're not taking them lightly. They've got some good players, especially a really good first line that's hot right now. Kamloops won 10 of 12 in the regular season against the G-Men, but of course Vancouver's coming off a huge upset in round number one. All right, also coming up, Ryan Reynolds in a heartwarming ad with his mom for Mother's Day. The Highway 1 series, the Coquihalla Clash, we'll get to that in a minute, but first. That's not bad either. Although the Coquihalla more goes to Kelowna, doesn't it? Yeah. Uh, and Kamloops as well. Kamloops, anyway. yeah. We don't have time to discuss all the ways we can talk <laughs> about this, but first we'll talk about the Abbotsford Canucks. Now, it would have been nice if the Abbotsford Canucks could have gone on a run in the American Hockey League playoffs, but other than that, the Canucks farm team did do its job in year one, which was at least being close. It was much better having the prospects just down the road instead of across the continent, and there were some Abbotsford players who could be regulars in Vancouver next season. Over to Bellamacki. Chance. Oh, what a save. My goodness, Spencer Martin. If job one in the AHL is player development, getting these guys ready to make the jump to the NHL, then you'd have to say it was a successful first season in the Fraser Valley. There was no greater example than goalie Spencer Martin, who came to Abbotsford in the fall as their number three goalie but had two impressive stints with the big Canucks to show he's ready to be the backup next season behind Thatcher Demko. I was really happy for him to get another chance to go up and play and really stamp, you know, to, to our organization, to our fan base that, that, uh, that he is the real deal. I mean, Martin, he, he was solid. He positionally, he was so solid. He knew where the puck was. He was tracking it great. So, I would be surprised if he dropped off next year. Another player who could make the jump is defenseman Jack Rathbone. Because of injuries and COVID, Rathbone only played 39 American Hockey League games this season, but he had 10 goals and 40 points. He's got that elite skill set of puck moving and joining the rush that makes him an exciting prospect in the NHL. His next step is to learn that at the next level. Um, it's all intentions right now for us to have him in our group in Vancouver and, and keep that progression and, and development going. And there were also some surprises. Players who came to Abbotsford this year and showed they still have a shot at the big time. Sheldon Rempel that came in here that, that scored four goals in each of his last two seasons comes in here and works with our group and has 30-plus Sheldon Dries. And you could go on with, with guys that are young that this coaching staff is able to get the best out of. The Blazers' giant second-round series starts tonight at 7 o'clock in Kamloops. And just like in the first round, Vancouver's a heavy underdog. Now, we all know the Giants overcame that in round one, but doing it two times in a row 
will not be easy. The difference in the regular season in points between Kamloops and Vancouver was 46. There was also a big gap when these two teams played each other. Kamloops beat Vancouver 10 of 12 times in the regular season. That kind of success makes the Blazers confident, but they are careful not to be overconfident. A lot of those games were really tight, um, just one goal games, so they were pretty close games against the Giants throughout the year. But I think just playing fast, um, kind of playing to our strengths was what allowed us to have success throughout the year. They're a very good team, I mean, highly skilled. They got a lot of guys that can go put the puck in the net and, and play offensively. And uh, I mean, I think we're just going to have to play them, play them heavy and find a game plan and stick to that. We know that they're going to play physical like they did against us all year, so uh, you know that we're not going to be surprised by that at all. The word surprise has been used a lot around the Vancouver Giants ever since they beat Everett in round one. But what is forgotten by a lot of people is that back in December, the Giants were one of the top-ranked teams in junior hockey. Yeah, there were some frustrating things uh, going on, certainly in the back half of the season. We, we just really couldn't get any traction. Anytime we did, you know, whether we won one or two, we just couldn't seem to sustain it. Yet, I, I think we always knew how good we could be, and, and, and I think that's starting to come to fruition now. All right, Bruins and Hurricanes. Look at this. Whoa! Collision. Snowman and linesman. They're both okay. Don't see that very often. Uh, second period, Brad Marchand did that to the Canucks 11 years ago in the Stanley Cup Final. Still doing it. 4-2 Bruins in the third period trying to get back in the series. Going into Sunday's home game against Toronto, which will start at 1 o'clock at BC Place. The uh, Whitecaps have the worst record in MLS. Vanny Sartini's team has gone from Andy Ammo to Mamma Mia. But Vanny is happy to be playing at home because the Whitecaps haven't done anything on the road this year. It's without question that we are kind of a different team at home. Yeah, we are, we're more secure, we're more confident, we look more like a, like a playoff team, like the team that we want to be. Uh, so that, that's, uh, that's going to be important. The, we're playing in our stadium. Uh, I think uh, uh, those are all the help that we need also in, on top of doing a good performance because the basis is playing well, of course. Canadians played an afternoon game at Nat Bailey. They were down early, but they came back to win 7-6. Love Good the Canadians. Thank you. All right, Satellite Debris is up next. Stay with us. I'm excited about the first item in Satellite Debris. <laughs> Reminds me of my childhood. You know why? Because Optimus Prime is more than meets the eye. He sure <laughs> is. Let's begin. <laughs> Covered. Maybe you should take some time off. Go on a road trip. Hmm. Road trip. And so here I am, little hitchhiker, taking some time off. <laughs> Can I tag along? What is this? This is art. <laughs> ah, that was fun, but I must return to help the people of Great Britain. Or we could just go skiing. I think Darlene have it covered without you, buddy. I'll get my mittens.
soundtrack can't lose either mm-hmm. that's right it was the b-52s okay uh two commercials from the uh, same sparkling water company <gasps> you got sparkling water yeah it's the new fuji apple and white tea it's cohaffinated kahana have a sip no you said you don't want anything oh i challenge my mahan like okay well too behind i'm gonna turn this kahar around well you can try but we're behind no but can we stop hop talking like that for real can i have a sip for real though Sahara sleep. I got you. <laughs> Can I get an aha? Aha. Mmm. This sparkling water is delicious. This blueberry really hits. I'm feeling that pomegranate. Aha. I'm feeling dinner. Aha. I'm Saharvi. Pahastaha sound good? Pahastaha. Pahastaha. Ooh, or Rahamin. Fahalafu. I had Fahalafu for lunch. No! Faha. Itahas. Baha Itahas. Mm, but I love Fahalafa. Sorry. Can I get Naha? Aha! It's a debris. <laughs> <laughs> nice. All right. Aviation gin means Ryan Reynolds means his mother. Well, it doesn't usually mean his mother, but it does this time. It's almost Mother's Day, that time of year when we recognize our moms for all the love and support they show us. And today I've asked my own mom to help me raise a glass to mothers everywhere with a special cocktail called Mother's Ruined Punch. I'm so proud of you, honey. First, we'll combine a half cup of sugar and three quarter cup of club soda. And then you're gonna wanna stir until it's dissolved. Always stir counterclockwise, honey. Thank you. Then add one and a half cups of delicious grapefruit juice. Look, there's just something right, right there. Mm-hmm. Three quarters of a cup of lemon juice and three quarters of a cup of sweet, sweet vermouth. Is that how you want to do it, sweetheart? So sweet. And of course, one and a half cups of aviation American gin. Not too much. As this chills for an hour, you'll want to spend that time reflecting on everything your mom has done for you over the years. I don't see any coasters. Or just add champagne while it's warm and drink the ever-loving out of it. Mm. Mother's ruin. We can fix your performance in post, sweetheart. Fix you in post. (laughs) (laughs) That's where it gets his humor. There you go. I'll fix you in post. All right. Uh, Chris, I know, I love that part. Yeah, it's a great one. We use it around here all the time. Uh, last word on weather with some sunshine this evening. Yeah, so enjoy this evening. As we head into tomorrow, temperatures are going to be cooler with highs of only 11 degrees. And it's one of those days where we'll see these spotty showers. So definitely, if you're headed out for the day, bring a rain jacket just in case. But you have a much better chance of being dry across the lower mainland than you do have seen those showers, thankfully. Awesome. All right. Thanks, Christy. And thanks for watching, everyone. Have a good night. Happy Mother's Day, almost. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance (laughs) recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. 
<laughs> For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.